If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Witness Docs from Stitcher. This is an historic time. This could be the next 1918 pandemic. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? Are you isolating yourself? Who do you count on? It's actually to protect you. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome to Science Rules, coronavirus edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye. And on this series, we're working to bring you the latest facts and analysis about the coronavirus pandemic so that we can all be prepared, informed, and calm. This thing is worldwide, people. We're all in this together. Now, we have passed 10,000 deaths in the United States and 74,000 deaths globally. We're all watching these numbers every day, hoping the increase will slow and eventually start to drop. But the way to get there is not easy. Containment, separation is our only option until we have a vaccine. The World Health Organization says there are about 20 organizations now racing to develop a COVID-19 vaccine. And so today we're joined by Dr. Bruce Gellin to understand what's going on. Now, Dr. Gellin is the president of global immunization at the Sabin Vaccine Institute in Washington, D.C., And he's the former director of the U.S. National Vaccine Program Office. Dr. Gellin, Bruce, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be with you. So what are you guys guys working on? So so the key here is that this is, you know, now everybody in the world knows about this flattened curve. It's a curve that we actually drew 15 years ago as part of our pandemic planning at HHS. But the, the, there are two parts to this curve. The one that we're focused on now is flattening. The reason to flatten it, what everybody knows, is to keep people out of the way of the virus so that they don't get infected and find their way to the healthcare system, which is overloaded. Right now, the most powerful tool we have is social or physical distancing. The long term is the one we need to be talking about, which is why you're doing this show, is the long term end of the curve. How long is it going to be? is really until there is widespread immunity in the population. You get that in two ways, by surviving the infection or by vaccination. Ultimately, why does it take so long? Why are there so many steps to getting this figured out? So part of it is, is with, with, with new ideas, you want to make sure that they are um, have some proof of principle. And usually those are done in some animal, an animal model, to make sure that, what your, that your idea 
at least is feasible before you bring it into humans. So that's the first step. Many of the companies that have already begun testing in humans have already had experiences with similar types of vaccine development. So they already have a comfort level about how they perform, both in terms of safety and effectiveness. Now, when you guys talk about animal models, the rest of us would call them mice. Is that right? So mice are a big part of the story, but, but it depends on the virus. And in fact, that's probably one among the lessons we learned in the past with the past coronaviruses. When SARS emerged and when MERS emerged, these are other coronaviruses, um, that was when the, the, the quest for treatments and vaccines came up there as well. Mice are not always the best animals. In this case, it seems that ferrets and maybe rhesus macaques and maybe hamsters are the best ones. But, part, but your, what your idea is, you're trying to get an animal that mimics as much of the human response, both in terms of the immune response and safety as you can before you get into humans. Sure. Yeah. And so body temperature is a big thing and uh, how, how fast they consume calories. And uh, I imagine it goes on and on. It's... Uh, so those are animal models, as you guys call them. Uh, but first you start with, are you, are you trying to create antibodies from scratch? Is that what we're working on? Well, from scratch. So the scratch part is what, so there's two parts that the vaccines um, function is to stimulate an immune response in the person. And that can be antibodies. It can be T cells or other immune cells but there's a whole spectrum of the immune response. That's what we're trying to do early on, both in the animals and then in the early, in the early, the early studies in humans, just to make sure that before you get too far into this thing, you've got something that looks feasible. So are there shortcuts? I mean, we're, things, it's, a, it's an urgent time. Well, I think that, the, so there, the, I think the most important piece here are, is to recognize that because, because there, is, there is the potential for risks, to make sure that we're following the general principles, but doing things where feasible in parallel, not always. It's not having your, you know, your hundred engineers in the room doing different parts of the system, just to make sure that as you continue to move on, what you're advancing seems to be right. The other considerations though, are not just the, as you're doing the testing, is to try to think about the manufacturing, which is another key part of this. What would be really unfortunate is to go through this whole process um, you know, in 12 months have a vaccine that looks very promising and then start to do the manufacturing. So the risk there is the risk of building, expanding or building facilities and starting to make vaccine. That's a financial risk. And as Bill Gates told uh, Trevor Noah last week on The Daily Show, you know, that's a, you know, when, when there's a trillion dollar hit to the economy, a few billion dollars is clearly a risk worth taking, worth taking. The Gates Foundation is starting to go there to develop some of these manufacturing facilities so you can make a vaccine at scale. There are separate discussions by the World Bank and others to try to do that. And therefore, even that is done in parallel as much as possible. You have the research and development going on. You're thinking about the manufacturing. And as you're doing this, you also have to think about the last mile of vaccine delivery and how that's going to work out because you don't want to wait until you've got a vial in your hand to figure that stuff out. All right. So couple that leads me to a couple questions. You know, would people of our age talk, oh, if they can put a man on the moon, why can't they blank? Do you think this is a, a worthy uh, use of, of a moonshot-style investment, a federal effort? Well, so I'm clearly biased because I've been working on vaccines my whole life. But when you look at, I mean, I think the Bill Gates summarized it. 
when you look at, at the current situation where everyone is locked in their houses until we can be freed up, when you see how crippling that is to the, to this society and the movement of society, the functions of society, seems to me that that's a pretty good investment uh, because unless you have immunity that and you don't want to have that from a from the virus because we can see the the consequences of that already in terms of the hospitalizations and deaths without that immunity I think that we're going to be crippled for some time do we social distance until a vaccine is available another year and a half or what have you you know Freezing I wish I had the good answer that that clearly is a is a is a question that uh, everyone's trying to grapple with because there's no way that we can maintain this as, as we're doing now. Even early on, and we were doing our pandemic planning, when we thought about what was called community mitigation, these various things that you do, close schools, close theater, stay home, and the rest of it, the underlying question is, you know, how long could you do this? Because clearly not everybody and probably most people can't do that. To me, I think another piece here that we're, we need to really look at seriously and urgently is immunity in another way. We know that lots of people have been infected, but we we don't know who has been who is now immune. So while we're still trying to understand the immunity to this virus, if we believe that the virus, the people who survived the virus are now immune, if you know who they, those people are, they should be able to go back to work, particularly if they're healthcare workers, providing community services and do other things. So truck drivers. I've yeah. seen more about another test, a test for immunity. Other countries are starting to do this. Again, the science isn't fully there, but I think it's a place that if I was going to do another moonshot, it would be on this in the near term to understand immunity now until we get to immunity then from a vaccine. So how do you test for immunity? Well, again, the assumption is that this is antibodies and there's there are lots of, this is a, a, a test that has been developed for lots of other diseases. In fact, we've already heard about some of the therapies that are being developed by siphoning off the antibodies from people who've been infected and giving those to people. That's really called passive immunity, which is giving them the antibodies that we hope will protect them. How do you do it? Polymerase well, chain reaction or something? How do no, you do it? So that's the testing for the virus. This is called plasmapheresis. It's essentially t- it's taking the antibodies out of the blood, the plasma. We've often heard about this as plasma therapy and taking that fraction off. All right, so what's all the hype on hydroxychloroquine? Chloroquine? The president of the U.S. seems obsessed with this thing. Oh, well, what do you do? I wish I understood that. I think it begins by observations. In this situation, my understanding is that there's been an observation that in some people, uh, this, there may have been some effect. Correlation is not causation. And, and anecdotes are not data which is why it's important to, to make sure we give these a thorough examination. Because if they work, great. If they don't work, get them out of the way and don't waste your time, your money, and potentially put people at risk. We'll be back right after this. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. One, two, 
three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. I am of an age also where I got the polio vaccine by going to the big junior high school, as they're called back then, and getting the sugar cube with the red liquid in it. And that was also an enormous government investment, right? So this seems like a solvable problem. You know, I, that, that certainly is the hope. And I think that, again, any, anyone who's worked on vaccines, either the private sector, the academic sector, the public sector, is now trying to, to th- see if the, the approach that they've taken to other vaccines, can you apply that to this situation? There's no question that people can make a vaccine. The key then, which is why it takes as long as it does, is its evaluation to make sure that what you're going to put into people has the effect that you want. And is how do you roll it out? Do uh, rich people get it first? Do old people get it first? Do kids get it first? How do you roll out this vaccine? And when is it going to happen? A year and a half, do you think? The, the more that the manufacturing, so this is large-scale production, because if you're going to do this in, a, in your kitchen you're not going to have enough for everybody. But when you start doing it in large facilities, then you're going to have much more. But you're right. When it's first available, there's not going to be enough for everybody. So we're going to have to start talking about that now, not just here, but we also have to look at the global nature of this and the global equity and how we're going to ensure that those who don't have the wherewithal to be able to invest in vaccine research and development have access to these vaccines as well. And even in those countries, they'll have to be thinking through, if they get a limited supply, who gets it? So as I like to ask, if you were king of the forest, if you were running the whole show, Bruce, what would you do? On the whole, on the whole show or that last part of it on who gets it? Well, no, no. You're running the whole the world. Okay. So if I think- Bruce that- were king of the world, you know, and so on. What would my you? My mother only heard Bill Nye saying that. <laughs> what um, would you do? What's the priority? I, what do we do first? What do we do third, and so on? Well, I think I think the priority is to do as many things in, in, in as possible at the same time. While we're doing the research and development, we need to think through how we're going to manufacture it. As we're thinking about the manufacture, we need to be thinking through who's going to get it and in what order, because not everyone's going to get it at the same time. And to have that conversation now and not only when vaccines first out there and there's just clamoring for it. Okay, we'll put you in charge. So what do we do? <laughs> the, uh, let's say, by the way, you know, uh, Boris Johnson is in intensive care as we record right now. I mean, it just shows you, you can get to anybody, any even somebody who's probably pretty well isolated and has bodyguards. And so, so here we go. Let's say the worst of it is in the next two weeks here in the U.S. especially, the peak of the curve, then the number of people getting infected and the, the, the number we all focus on, the number of people dying, 
reduces. Uh, at the end of April, by the end of May, it's reduced quite a bit. What do we do? Do we go out of our houses or do we go out of our houses wearing masks? Or do we find friends who've tested positive but didn't get especially sick and hang out with them, hoping that their antibodies will find their way into us? Or so what do we do? Well, of those options, the one absolute not to do is to have a coronavirus party because that is going to be a death sentence. This is not about differences in the virus and somebody had a safe infection and other had a disastrous infection. It's the same virus that manifests differently in different people. We don't know in whom, who's going to have a horrible disease and who's going to be asymptomatic. Um, so don't go, to a, don't go to a coronavirus party, whatever you do. So I think that the, the, the medium term here is treatments. You know, there's a whole other enterprise going on looking at what might be helpful. There are some, some, that are more, some drugs that are more promising than others. There is this idea of using antibody therapy or even designing antibodies rather than just sifting them off of people who've been infected. Is this the, uh, the analog to Tamiflu? It is. It is. And maybe a better analog is the investments in the research of AIDS drugs. AIDS was a, a fatal illness. There was a huge effort uh, on developing therapies. And now I don't know the number, 20, 50, 30. I don't know. There are, there are a number of treatments now. And AIDS has now become, HIV has become a chronic illness for the most part. So while we're working on a vaccine, we, there's, there's the same level of effort, another moonshot maybe, on the therapies, because we want to be able to get treat people who are infected, maybe give people a drug that might prophylax them, which means protect them if they, from becoming infected, short of a vaccine. Uh, but there's a lot that's going on in that area as well. And I suspect that we're going to see something coming out of that in the near term, even before we get a vaccine. This is fantastic. Is there anything else that we left out? We got vaccines, distribution, manufacture of vaccines, year and a half, animal models, stay home, don't go to a coronavirus party, and we may have a drug before we have a vaccine. Is that right? Yeah, I guess the one other thing is is a little bit of expectation setting. Now, again, when I looked when I last looked at the World Health Organization's list of vaccine candidates, there were over 50 of them two or three were already in clinical trials, and they tell me that there's dozens more that they're now learning about. Not every good idea is going to work its way through the system, and we should be prepared for the disappointment that things that might look promising early on don't, don't fulfill that promise, which is why it's important that there be many horses in the race because they're not all going to finish that race, but we shouldn't be disappointed when, quote, leading candidates drop out. That's just the nature of the way this works. The fact that there are many more ideas gives me some promise that some of them will work their way through and give us a vaccine that we can safely give to billions of people around the world. Well, the old saying, the way to have a good idea is to have a lot of ideas. Thank you so much for enlightening us. I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been great. Our guest today, everybody, has been Dr. Bruce Gellin, who is uh, now working at the Sabin Vaccine Institute uh, in Washington, and you used to be at the National Vaccine Program Office, and you understand this problem as well or better than anyone, and I, I really appreciate it. Now, something that's on my mind, everybody, you know, I have another day job. I'm CEO of the Planetary Society. And uh, this summer, because of the orbits of the Earth and the planet Mars, we are planning, we, humankind, is planning to launch a rover 
to Mars in July. July 17th is the nominal launch date. And I just remind you guys, everybody, that the, the orbit of the Earth and Mars are not affected by the pandemic. But the name of the rover is Perseverance. And that, to me, that's the message of Dr. Gellin today is we have to stick with this. We have to stick with social distancing. We have to stick with discipline, wearing a mask uh, when you go, when you have to go somewhere in public and respecting the science and keeping in mind that everybody is in this together. This virus, as the astronauts call, say it has the overview effect. It affects everybody on Earth. And so we have a little tradition here at uh, Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. We get a voicemail from one of our listeners. Chief Nye, this is Mel Powell, a fellow member of the Planetary Society in Sherman Oaks, California. We are hunkered down, doing our best, going out as little as humanly possible, continuing to get exercise. But my real story is that just yesterday in the mail, I received my new Planetary Radio t-shirt as a contest winner. And it gives me hope that we are going to get through this and there will still be a future to explore things and move forward and go crazy. I even tweeted a picture of it because I'm that excited and I can't wear it out in public right now and advertise Planetary Radio. Uh, thanks for all you do. Let's all get through this together. Bye. Wow. Thank you, Mel. Pal, Mr. Powell. Thank you, member of the planetary side. Wow. Man. And everybody, keep in mind, the Spanish flu was a horrible thing in 1918. A horrible thing. But humankind got through it. Life goes on. We built roads. We uh, have we feed more people th th than ever before. Extreme poverty is lower than it's ever been. As screwed up as things seem to be, life for more people is better. So we're going to get through this. We have to persevere. Now, if you want to join the conversation, I hope you do. Please leave us a voicemail, just as Mr. Powell did, about your experience of the pandemic and, and your question. The number to leave a voicemail is 201-472-0785, 201-472-0785. Thanks again to our guest today, expert on vaccines, Dr. Bruce Gellin. I'm Bill Nye. My friends, this is a pandemic. It's worldwide. We're all in this together. And more than ever, everyone, science rules. If you like Science Rules Coronavirus Edition, and I hope you do, please take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out, helps other people learn about the show, so thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is produced by Witness Docs from Stitcher. The show is produced by Claire Rawlinson, Stephanie Kariuki, and Corey S. Powell, all in isolation. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer today is once again Luce Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Peter Clowney is our executive producer. Special thanks to Casey Halford. Chris Bannon is the chief content officer at Stitcher. And at Stitcher, science rules. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, 
They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.